The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 1st, 2023. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Boy, it was beautiful. I saw these beautiful clouds, and I thought, wow, we're going to have a little bit more rain. It looks like the drought is coming, is a little bit behind us right now, which is very exciting. We're watching all the plants grow and just such wonderful things happening when the earth receives all the water that she needs. Well, today is International Workers' Day, and I have two special guests with me this morning. Joining me in the studio is one of my dear friends, uh, Lisa Maldonado, who's a labor representative for the California Nurses Association. Lisa has an extensive background in labor relations and union organizing, and we will be talking a little bit about the history of May Day and her special relationships, what she's doing. Also joining me in the studio is a real special a former poet laureate for our own Sonoma County, Renee Sasacedo, who will be talking about the immigration rights movement. Sasedo has worked in the immigrant right and worker rights for over 30 years. She doesn't look over 30, but that's okay. As an advocate, attorney, educator, and community uh, organizer. It is an honor to have both of you women in the studio with me. You know, it's just having women that are doing something, speaking out, Speaking out for the good of the future of our children, of our planet, is, is, it needs to be complimented. And by the way, Lisa's wearing that wonderful sure blank uh, capitalist, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat. No, no, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it. Well, <laughs> well, I said, like I said, today is May 1st, International, uh, uh, International Workers' Day. And I want to, I want to dedicate this show to my father, Solomon Solihultz, who was a committed union man. My father was born in Poland and came to the United States when he was only five years old. He could not work. He could not speak the language. He, he had to. He, we were immigrants. I come from an immigrant family, so I truly, truly understand some of the things that uh, uh, Rene Shiseido is going to talk about as far as immigrant rights because that's what my father said. You know, my father taught me two things that were very important. He said, number one, he said, I never met a boss who would ever give me a raise without a struggle. He says, it's that simple, Elaine. And he says, no matter what, don't you ever, ever cross a picket line. And it was really interesting. I went shopping one day for my mother. This was in Los Angeles to Ralph's Grocery Store. And there were all these guys around there. And there weren't as many women unionized the way they are today. But there were a lot of men there with these signs yelling and everything in front of Ralph's. And I just went about my business, but I had no idea that my father was on a bus. He took the bus he was driving, and he just literally saw me go through the line. And I come home. My dad was a very mild man. His hands were crossed, and he looks at me. He says, where were you today, young lady? I said, well, I just went to the store for mom. And what, what, what did you do at the store? Well, I just bought groceries. Did you notice those people, you know, carrying signs? And I said, oh, yeah, Dad. He says, that's called a picket line. And he explained this to me, and he said, you make me a promise 
Don't you ever cross a picket line again. Well, when Safeway in Sonoma County, I went to Safeway, Los Angeles was striking, and I didn't cross, I didn't, I didn't shop at Safeway. And after the strike was over, because a lot of the gals knew me, they said, we thought maybe you moved away. I says, no, my father was a union man. Safeway's on strike. I don't handle that. Anyway, well, like I said, uh, today is International Women's History Month, and we got someone is, uh, representing the nurses, uh, the nurses organization, and we also have someone with immigration. So there's two birthdays that I really believe is very important to acknowledge, and that's on May 1st, 1830. She made her transition in 1930. Is Mary Harris, Mother Jones a leader of an organizer of unions. I mean, Mother Jones, I mean, and she started very late in life, which gives us all, as oldies here, gives us a lot more confidence. And then the second thing is, is on May 3rd, uh, 1901, and she made her uh, transition in 1981, is uh, Estella Massey Osborne, the first African-American nurse to earn a master's degree integrated the American Nurses Association and served on their directors from 1948 to 1992. Amazing, so we must really acknowledge these women. And not only that, history is being made. History is being made. I wanna do a shout out to, uh, I, I, gotta, I, I just found out about this. There's a thing called National History Day Program. It was founded in 1974 by Dr. David Van Tessel, a professor at Case Western Reserve University to encourage students to analyze historical events and draw conclusions about their impact on human society. Each year there's a contest and there's all kinds of different themes. And I'm happy to announce that a young man, he's my, my dear friend Susan's Lamont grandson and I just, I mean, it's amazing watching this young boy grow up. You know, there's an old saying, children learn what they live. Well, I'll tell you, he lived with an activist grandmother, and he really learned a lot. Well, Andrew Lawson, Andrew Lawson is from the Appalachian region of North Carolina, and he chose to write an essay on the creation of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. What a subject. He's only 14 years old and is in junior high school. Critical thinking he's learning, you know. And so what happened was this past week, it, what happened is he first he won for his class. He won, the essay was acknowledged. Then he, was, uh, he won the contest for the region. And now he will be competing internationally. You know, that means he's going to Washington, D.C. He's going to read that thing. And he's, you know, so a real big shout out, Andrew Larson, and also a shout out to my dear friend, Susan Lamont. You've done a good job, Susan. That's the job of a grandmother, let me tell you. It's really interesting. And, you know, and because it's worker, International Workers' Day, I got a quote. Well, before I do that, I want to just, I want to do a little rant here because I am disgusted. I am totally disgusted. You know, when you look at the women's history, it took us a oh, hundred, it took us 70 some odd years to get the vote to begin with. We still don't have the Equal Rights Amendment. We still have no gun control for our children. You know, as far as, you know, immigration, we're still going around throwing people out of the country, grabbing children from their mothers. I mean, what is going on here? And then our representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republic of Georgia, is facing criticism because, listen to this, 
there was a hearing. It's called the, uh, uh, let's see, the conversation unfolded as Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, spoke Wednesday before the House Select Committee on the coronavirus uh, pandemic. She was a witness during a hearing in school closures prompted by the spread of COVID-19. Now, first of all, why they're having this hearing is beyond me. You know, we got to look at gun control. We have the war in Ukraine. You know, we have climate change that is just ripping the planet apart. And what are they focusing on? The COVID-19 and somehow why this woman, why this woman uh, supposedly had the, uh, the schools closed. What else are they focusing on? I just heard that in one of the states, I can't remember, they're taking medical care away from young people because they're transgender. Now, what the heck does that have to do with anything? They're human beings, you know. I mean, even you know, for you Christians out there, in the Bible it says God gave us free will. That means God gave us free choice. As long as we don't harm anybody, as long as it's your life and your body and what you want to do, what the heck is it anybody else's business? You know, the same thing with the, this abortion thing. You know, they're so concerned about the fetus, but yet when it comes to giving children, you know, they're cutting food stamps again. And who gets food stamp? You know, the, 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 the disadvantaged. You know, I don't know. You know, I, I follow a lot of the sayings of teachers, uh, excuse me, of Jesus. And one of the things he said, what they do to the least of them, they do to me. Why are they, why are they doing this? And here comes Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, here she, Green asked this woman, uh, Mar, uh, Randy Weigreton, very educated. You know, here she's a, a, a president of the teachers union over the whole, whole United States. I mean, the woman is not a fool. So Green, uh, Green asked her during the hearing, this is so disgusting, whether she is a mother. And Weingarten replied that she's a mother by marriage. And she also happens to be a lesbian. You know, when I was at Sonoma State, you know, my girlfriend, Connie Stancliffe, came out as a lesbian. And I was very concerned because we were both single parents. I actually wrote a paper, which I have dedicated, which I uh I donated to the uh, lesbian archive on the lesbian mother. And what I found out, a mother's a mother's a mother's a mother. An aunt's an aunt's an aunt's an aunt's. A grandmother's a grandmother's a grandmother's a grandmother. The Georgia, she said, so the Georgia lawmaker called her not a biological mother. Well, I got news for you, sweetie. My, my sister-in-law is not a biological mother, but she took a young child out of, out of China and gave her every opportunity that you can imagine. And as far as I, I would say, she's a better mother than I am for, for what she, because of the fact that she adopted a child because she couldn't have a child, how much more that child meant to her. Well, this is what the lawmaker Marjorie Taylor Greene said, told her, or called her rather, not a biological mother, and later told the union leader, the problem is people like you need to admit that you are just political activists, not a teacher, not a mother, not a medical doctor. Well, folks, I'm not a medical doctor either, but you better believe when that COVID-19 hit, I would not want my children in school because kids get sicker and sicker through the children and through their interaction with them. I call on every woman that is listening to this show to write a letter to this representative and tell her how dare she insult motherhood on any level. 
anybody that chooses to raise a child, especially a child that may have been abandoned or unwanted, is a true blessing in this world. And we need to stand up against this kind of garbage. This is an insult. This is an insult. This is an insult to the creator who, put, who endowed us with the ability, whether we have children or not, to have children. We need to stand up against this crap. I'm, oh, excuse my language, but that's <laughs> what it is. It's really crap. Well, we're going to take a musical break, but before we do that, I just want to do this quote because it is International uh, Workers' Day, and one of my heroes is Dolores Huerta, and Dolores Huerta worked along with Cesar Chavez. I actually interviewed Dolores Huerta uh, several times. I mean, she's just, to me, is the cat's meow as far as I'm concerned. But I found this quote by Cesar Chavez, and I think this is so important. And here's what it is. Listen very carefully to this. And think about, you know, during slavery, they did not allow the slaves to read. Why, why didn't they want them educated? You know why? they do so smart and they'd stand up for their rights. You know, this way you keep people oppressed. If you're ignorant, if you don't know the language, it's a whole different, you know, I watched my grandmother struggle. You know, because she did not know English, and we had to go to the stores with her, and we had to interpret. You know, when I see Hispanic young people do that, I, it brings me back, all the way back there, when I did that with my grandmother. The only advantage I had is that I was brought up in a Jewish family, and we could pose, we could change our names, we could do anything we want. But other people, women of color, mothers of color, they can't do that. But anyway, I want to just... Just remind people how far we've come and how much they want to take away from us. You know, they want us barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, you know, cooking meals for them, having sex with them. It's, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And there's some really good men out there, and they need to stand. I mean, I really appreciate at my side is my partner and my co-producer my co here, Ken Norton. That men and women together are very powerful. But a, a man having to oppress you or telling you that he's better than him that's, not, that's a weakness. If you can't stand eye to eye with someone, you are weak is in, my, in, in my idea. But, you know, I'm, like I said, I wanted to do a rant this morning. But now I'm going to calm down, and I'm going to read this wonderful quote by Cesar Chavez. Once social change begins, it cannot be reversed. Now, remember, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta were very involved with the United Farm Workers. I mean, people were literally killed in the fields for trying to, trying to stand up and organize. But this is so important. Once social change begins, it cannot be reversed. I love this one. You cannot uneducate the person who has learned to read. And then the next one. You cannot humiliate the person who feels pride. Pride in their work, pride in their religion, pride in their ethnicity. You know, proud of who they are as a human being. And all of us, all of us have something to be proud of, but you cannot humiliate a person because when you know who you are and you know what you stand for, you know, that I love that old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones and names will never hurt me. Well, that's a pretty powerful statement, let me tell you. And then the last thing. This, I think, is the most important of them all. You cannot oppress the people who are not, who are not afraid anymore. You cannot oppress the people who are not afraid anymore. One day I had a dream, 
we were very involved with the Andy Lopez uh, situation, and I, I had a subtle threat by somebody in a, in one of the meetings, very subtle, but you know, kind of a dig, you know, where I had to think to myself, wait, are they going to show up at my home? You know, what's going to happen? And I remember looking at that person, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, what are you going to do? Shoot me? Yeah, I'm going to go anyway. You know, I will stand up for this young boy till the day I die. I said, so, you know, do what you want. But I was so appalled that I would even be threatened. That here I am, you know, a, a woman in my 70s at the time. You know, what? <laughs> I mean, I barely can, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even protect myself if you jumped me. I mean, and all of a sudden you're threatening me. Why? Because I'm speaking out. No, it's not right. Okay. That's a lot to go on, and then when we come back, we're going to take a musical break, and we're going to be talking with Lisa Maldonado, who is a, a union representative. She's working with the IBEW, and I'm really excited about... No? CNA. Oh, CNA. Oops. You know, I love the IBEW, but I'm working with CNA. No, but the thing is, is your resume is so full, you know, that <laughs> I, I have to... I have to switch. Okay, anyway, we're going to be taking a musical break, and the song I'm going to be playing, we're going to play three minutes of it, is We Were There, sung by Bev Grant. And when we return, I will be talking with Lisa Maldonado. Thank goodness I have a script. <laughs> Labor representative for the California Nuisance Association. Lisa has an extensive background in labor relationships and union organizing and we'll be talking about the history of May Day and her her involvement and I have to say about Lisa she has a wonderful sense of humor and she's just one of these people that I just adore and respect so let's go ahead Ken let's play we were there we're going to play three minutes of a song by Bev Grant okay would you like my rant love We have gathered into barns, done the same work as the men who with babies in our arms. But you won't find our stories in most history books you read. We were there, we're still here, fighting for the things we need. We were there in the factories.
We were Irish, we were African and Jew, Italian and Latina, Chinese and Russian too. They tried to use our differences to split us all apart, but the pain we felt together touched the bottom of We were there, and we're here today talking about the same things, talking about the same things, standing up for our workers' rights. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I have one reminder. I guess I skipped the page, and this is a very important reminder for you just joining. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and Women's Spaces. We'll start again. Welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest joining me in the studio, Lisa uh, Maldonado, later rep- labor representative for the California Nurses Association. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you, and happy May Day to you, Elaine. Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm so happy, and thank you for being here. You know, I what boy, I had to search her down. <laughs> but anyway. Where else would I be on May Day but here? Anyway, Lisa, before we start, I want to tell my folks, the folks, just a little bit about you. Is that okay? Well, Lisa Maldonado, and I love this. She described, I love the way she describes herself, and she definitely lives up to today by the T-shirt she's wearing. (laughs) Attorney, union thug, good troublemaker, boat rocker, revolutionary, and nice Mexican girl, all in one. At present, she is the labor representative for the California Nurses Association. She's a former executive director of the North Bay Labor Council, the former director of SCIU Local 1021. Also, she has previously worked as field director of the ACLU of Northern California, where she coordinated campaigns on issues such as uh, racial profiling, the death penalty, marriage, equality, and immigrants' rights. She has previously served as campaign coordinator for the California Faculty Association and the political director of the San Mateo Central Label Council. Lisa has a degree in political science from San Francisco State University and a JD from the University of San Francisco Law School. And she is a stellar aunt. Wow, you went, yes, thank you very much, most importantly. They, you went way back, Elaine, way, well, way back. because I think it's important that people, that people know how hard you have worked for the All labor All the movement. old struggles. Yes. Uh, I want to thank you especially for, um, you know, having me here with Renee um, because I think, you know, hearing your story about your father, it's very similar um, to a lot of immigrant stories. And, and immigrant rights are workers' rights. Workers' rights are immigrants' rights. They are, are intertwined and have been. And even the history of May Day, um, the Haymarket riots, all that comes from that um, has been the story of immigrants and as workers who, you know, again, in the last couple years, because of COVID, we have seen the true heroes and the people who are really make um, this world go are workers. And, and many of them are immigrant workers. And they are still fighting. This is not just history, right? This is a real live struggle. 
And um, in fact, I know Renee's doing a ton of work and we'll hear about, and, and has been very active with a lot of different groups. We're, we're lucky in Sonoma County to have um, Jobs with Justice and the Labor Council and a very strong um, labor coalition. It wasn't always that way here in Sonoma County and I'm glad we have it now. Well, just, just hearing about the history that you're presenting and the history that I presented, you know, as a young woman, I mean, you're still a young woman, but as a young, as a really young woman, how, how did you get involved in this? And, and what, what was one of your motivation? And where, who were some of your heroes? Who really, who inspired you? Well, again, you know, just like you were saying, right, um, I think everybody's first in, inspirations as a child you see around you in your family, right? And my grandparents, my, my grandpa on my mother's side was a union organizer. Uh, he was a labor, he was part of the labor um, cement masons union, but he had done a lot of work um, helping to organize um, cannery workers. And all of my theas were actually cannery workers in Redwood City. Um, but my father was an immigrant. He was an illegal immigrant. He was actually deported, oh God, over 12 times. He worked in the fields in Watsonville. He picked strawberries. He worked in Texas. And I heard stories from him. He came as a, as a young boy at the age of 12. And um, he used to tell stories, and they were mesmerizing to me because I imagined myself and how different his life was. And he told me once that they were, uh, they had run out of water in the desert, him and his uncles. He had traveled with them to come and pick, um, I don't know if it was mushrooms or, or you know, uh, strawberries. And they ran out of water, and um, they, they were hallucinating. They all thought they were going to die. And the immigration, La Migra, picked them up. And back then, we had not criminalized. Um, we had not yet criminalized people coming across the border looking for a better life. So basically, they you know just put them back, put them on a ship, put them on a bus. He said every time they sent them back, it was a different way. But I remember also hearing him tell the story of how when he was picking um, fruit, I don't know if it was peaches or something in in the, uh, Southern California, one of the things that some of the um, the owners would do, the ranchers, would be after they had picked the crops, they would call immigration. And he and his um, a bunch of people had immigration called on them after they finished. And, and he always remembered that the immigration officer, who he never failed to, to you know, to tell me was Chinese. He, and he felt like that was important because that's why the guy did this. He marched them up to the to the rancher's door and said, okay, I'm taking these guys, but not until you pay them their money because they worked for you and you have to pay them. And um, I feel like that coupled with seeing just in real life how my grandparents and all of my family, the people who worked the hardest um, had so little was really a force, you know, my mother was a, um, also a, uh, a communication workers uh, union. She worked for the Pacific Bell, and I think the first strike I went on, I was four years old, both my mother and my Thea were um, telephone operators. And back then, um, it was called Ma Bell. Ma Bell was, they were notorious for making you raise your hand if you had to go to the bathroom. They timed you on your calls, they listened to your calls. If you didn't get rid of the call in a certain amount of time, you were dinged. And I remember. I, I work for the telephone company. Yeah. I was a teenager, so I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was pretty shocking, but I remember she took me and my brother on the um, picket line, and I had so much fun. I remember she put, uh, speaking of, you know, racy humor, but she they put T-shirts on us that said, Ma Bell is a mother, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> 
And for us, it was a great picket. And I've been lucky enough to work for working people. Um, I mean, I've had a couple of other jobs. I worked for the homeless prenatal program for a while. And one of the things I noticed there in San Francisco was that I had to tell my clients, you can't afford to live in San Francisco. You're going to have to move to Stockton. And so the union movement, the labor movement, is what got my parents into the middle class because my my grandfather helped my father get into the laborers and then into the um, Teamsters when he came here. And then he got his citizenship and became a tax-paying citizen. But not before, like I said, he was deported for crossing illegally 12 times. And since then, he became one of the best uh, and strongest citizens and union members ever. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I think about my own father and I think about this story that you're telling us, you know, everybody says, everybody I think thinks the the American dream is that you're going to have a house on a hill, you're going to be a big, you're going to be Beyonce and her, you know, Jay-Z, <laughs> or you're going to be, you know, big star or something. But people don't recognize the immigrant, they, their American dream is freedom, freedom to work, freedom to have some equality, freedom for their children to go to school, you know, freedom to just live like my grandmother said, you know, I says, Grandma, why why do you like America so much? She says, oh, no progones, they can't not go for your door, you know, and, and pull, you know, I mean, and all of a sudden you realize this is the background that people, the oppression, and, and that what the unions have done for that. Well, let, let's let's go into real time, Lisa. You know, you're part of the, of the, of the, of the nurses union here in Sonoma County, and there's been a lot of a lot of stuff happening. So yes. what give us give us a kind of a, a little overview of what is going on and why do you think I mean what is it why is a poor question? It, the better question is what is behind the fact that people want to hold back and not do the right thing by dealing decent wages, decent working conditions? What 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 goes on? I don't understand that. Well, I think that, you know, part of it is the system, right? I mean, um, especially the kind of unrestrained and un- unregulated capitalism we've seen in the last uh, 100 years, couple hundred years, it, it, it creates a system where real people's, the reality of people's lives, having enough to eat, having home, having shelter, those are not the priority. And the big priority is everybody's right to make a profit over, you know, any and every single possible thing from from water to um, housing, which is now, you know, even today we see people um, investing in housing as, as a way to become rich, right, flipping houses. And and then we see the consequences, people living in the street, people with nothing, you know, kids not having uh, the food that they need, people not getting the medical care that they need. When you look back to May Day and the original, um, the start of May Day with the Haymarket riots, those workers were fighting for the exact um, same things that workers are today are fighting for, better working conditions, safety on the job, and the most exploited workers, I think, and you know, I'm sure Renee will talk more about this as well, um, they are not only advocating for themselves and a safe working environment, but also for you know, the environment for everyone. Um, when, we have, when you talk about construction, union construction workers, they have a voice and they can speak up about unsafe practices in building, or unsafe practices on the job. The same is true for nurses, right? We have a very strong contract that not only allows, but encourages nurses to speak up and um, advocate for safe staffing and 
patient. Well, and, and when you think about it, they're really not advocating totally for themselves. They're advocating for us, the patient. Exactly. You know, because we, you know, we need, they need those conditions in order to give us the care. Exactly. And you can see it in these big hospital as um, medical care, again, in capitalism gets more and more corporatized. Um, you see basically profits put ahead of patients. And we see a lot of it, you know, nurses have been fighting for um, safe staffing, having enough nurses so that patients don't, you know, and, and don't feel, you know, get abandoned in their rooms and have, you know, because you have nurses running from room to room. Hospitals aren't going to do that on their own. They're going to, you know, they're going to staff as lightly or as thinly as they can. Well, and that's what Solly said. I never met a union boss that would give you a raise. Uh, yeah, there's no <laughs> boss that, exactly. The, you know, Kaiser doesn't do things or Sutter. They, they look at the bottom line. Um, for nurses and for workers, the bottom line is um, safety and patient advocacy. I think the same thing is true, and I know Renee has been working on the issues around... Um, you know, domestic workers, but also the the more um, that workers are subject to exploitation, and this is where immigration and workers' rights get um, intertwined in the most, you know, intense way, the more that they are inf- afraid of um, and, and cowed by government regulations and, and being considered criminals, um, it's always, it's always bothered me that nobody has a problem when businesses go and cross borders, whether it's to create manufacturing, to make better money, you know, make more money, more profit, to hire uh, workers at lower wages. Nobody cares if crop capital crosses borders, but when workers cross borders for the same exact thing, a better life, higher wages, more opportunities, they're demonized and they are their their behavior is criminalized, and that is a huge injustice that people are still fighting today. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hold that thought there because when I think I'm, I'm, as you're both talking and there's so much integration, I want to take a musical break and then there's a I want there, at the end of the show there's going to be a question I'm gonna ask both of you to chime in on, but I want to make sure that I have enough time for Renee and so let's take a, a real quick musical break now, and the song I'm going to play is an old old union song that that women have been singing for ages and that's called Bread and Roses, and it's sung by Debbie McGee, and I really I really think you know that the idea of bread and rose and we want food and we want respect that's what it is the roses indicate respect honoring you know like when you give somebody a rose for their birthday you know you're honoring them you're giving them something beautiful besides and and the beauty is to have some so some equality and when we come back i'm going to be talking to renee Cicedo, and we will be talking about international workers day and immigrants rights and also there's going to be a big rally that's happening today that's going to be starting i believe it's at three o'clock you know we're going to be walking they're going to be walking to the federal building and then they're going to be walking to the downtown square and i really encourage people you know we're all workers you know we're all workers we're all part of the game here you know everybody i mean everywhere you go you know and i I, and you know i gotta say this one thing and i don't know if this is the right time or the wrong time but i am pissed off about all these self checkouts you know they're taking away jobs from people for heaven's sakes you know we have to start looking at that we're all responsible if one goes down we all go down i mean we have to recognize that it's very important so let's go ahead and play uh bread and roses ken as we come marching marching in the beauty of the day a million darkened 
with all the radiance that a sudden sun discloses for the people here are singing bread and roses bread and roses as we come marching marching we battle to for men for they are women's children and we mother them again our lives shall not be sweated from birth until life closes hearts starve as well as bodies give us bread but give us roses as we come marching marching unnumbered women dead go crying through our singing their ancient song for bread small art and love and beauty their drudging spirits new yes it is bread we fight for but we fight for roses too marching marching we bring the greater days for the rising of the women means the rising of the race no more the drudge and idler tend that toil where one reposes but a sharing of life's glories bread and roses bread and roses Oh, that song's give me a chills. It's so old, and women have been marching, and I love it. You know, the rising of the women is the rising of the nation. I mean, we have to race, recognize that. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine, Elaine B. Holt. I almost forgot who I was for a minute. And joining me in the studio is... is uh, Renee Sesedo, who will be talking about immigrant rights movement. Welcome, Renee. Welcome to Women's Spaces. This is your second little jump with me. Yes, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Can you raise your mic just a little bit? Yeah, there you go. Oh, no, no, right there. Yeah, that right there. That's perfect. Well, let's 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 begin. You know, uh, Renee is currently works for the Raza Collective as she's the project coordinator. So can you tell us before we start, before I go into anything, what is the Raza? What is that? It's uh, it's called Raisa's Collective, and it's a grassroots nonprofit here in Sonoma County, which focuses on the use of art, culture, and empowerment uh, in order to heal and empower immigrant and Latinx and indigenous communities. Wow, it's really, I, I never heard of the program when I saw it in your in your bio and they had that little blurb I just, that was, I was very curious. So let me tell folks a little bit about you. Renee Sosedo has worked in the immigrant rights and worker rights movement for over 35 years as an advocate, an attorney, an educator, and a community organizer. She has helped expand the creation of day labor and domestic worker organizations in Northern California and helped lead immigrant right campaigns such as those which led to driver's license for California undocumented county sanctuary laws and movement and national immigration reform. 
Renee, like I said, she currently wrote, how do you pronounce it, R-A-I-Z-E-S Collective as the project coordinator. And she's just working just very hard with all kinds of different things, and she's very involved with this May 1st march that's happening. So, Renee, you want to add anything else to this, anything else that I may have left off that you'd like folks to know about you? Well, I, I really enjoyed your conversation with Lisa Uh, your question about what brought her to this work. And it kind of reminded me that for me, similar to Lisa, I think it was a combination of things, Uh, family first and foremost, right? How we grow up. And um, I had the privilege of growing up as a child in Mexico, in the state of Yucatan and in Mexico City. And that uh, politicized me and radicalized me and changed changed my life forever. My mom wasn't happy living here in the U.S. And so when she and my dad divorced, she took my brother and I back to Mexico. And I think that it offered me a unique perspective. Um, I think... Uh, here in the U.S., we, we're so uh, ethnocentric sometimes. We think that um, there's no world be- beyond our borders. <laughs> and um, I think that that experience of growing up in Mexico really um, burst open my, my mind and my sense of who I am and, and what, should I, what I should be doing. And, and also, I think that as with many people, the humiliations that our families are forced to endure, um, and we as children witness that, right? The, the humiliation of employers or landlords. Um, my grandfather, Manuel Saucedo, was also uh, a worker when he migrated from Mexico, from the state of Colima to San Francisco. Uh, in those days, unions wouldn't take Mexican workers, and um, and he used to tell me stories about how Harry Bridges used to organize workers and the Mexican workers, even though they weren't fully accepted, would still take part in a lot of the radical strikes. And he would tell me stories about how they would throw the scabs into the bay uh, during those days of the great strike. So, well, you know, um, it, it, it's interesting when you talk about, about I work for uh, the Comprehensive Employment and Training Act for the, uh, for the county. I started out at administration and I was thought I was going to go to Washington, D.C., so I had to go to the main floor and I had to work with the, with the, uh, with the people, you know, doing all the different programs. And uh, because my father was a union rep, and I told stories about it. They elected me as the union rep. <laughs> and I don't know if Lisa remembers this, but the county went on strike. You know, and that and the, the the thing that came back to me was when my dad said never pass a picket line, how I felt when I saw me out there with a sign and someone would pass some scab or whatever you want to call them would pass the picket line and go to work where here we were struggling for decent wages. And that person crossing the struggle uh, picket line doesn't recognize that we are struggling for them too. Right. That's right. You know? And he, and, and today we pass it on right to yeah. our kids. I remember uh, during the holidays we were out by, um, uh, Macy's in San Francisco, just walking around, and my son said, "Oh, I want to go in and and see the the decorations inside." And the workers were picketing, 
And I said, no, Carlo, we cannot go in because uh, workers' rights, we have to respect workers' rights, and they are um, striking against Macy's right now, and we have to respect that. So what we did instead is we jo- uh, picked up some signs, and we joined the picket the picket line. And my son was a little bummed, but he said, okay, this is my family, right? This is what we believe in. (laughs) Um, But the labor movement has had a huge impact, of course, in this country. And I think Lisa is right. I think that immigrant workers are not only more involved now in unions, and I can say that because I used to work for a union and have had relationships with labor unions for many years, I think that they are helping to lead them. And I think that that has really made the labor movement even stronger. How are they organizing? And also another thing that's very important to bring to people, how, how do they over, how do people over in these movements how do people overcome their fears? I know for myself, you know, I do that women's spaces pledge and I, and I have this attitude, you're going to shoot me. I'm going to go anyway. You know I mean? But there's still that level of fear. How, how do you, how do they, how do they work with that? I mean, because this is a, a different population that has even more pressure than say some of the uh, Caucasian unions and uh, there's a lot more pressure on them. How do they overcome that? Yeah, we work uh, primarily with undocumented women, and um, and and our organization works with other populations like youth uh, as well. But the undocumented women, you know, the level of courage that they have and dedication—it's just mind-boggling. And you know, what do you think gets me up in the morning every day? It's the the they're so inspiring, and despite the real threat of being retaliated against sometimes by employers or um, being discovered by ICE, you know, despite those threats and, and um, challenges, they what they say, what they will say is, I'm doing this not only for myself, my family, but I'm doing it for people who are coming behind me. Well, I remember walk, working with the Andy, the Andy Lopez situation for me was the biggest eye opener, especially when I used to go in front of the boards of supervisors and, and ask them, if this was your child, what would you expect your representatives to do for you? And you know what they did. I mean, we don't have to go into that. But I really got that sense, you know, of the inequality and the way that different populations are treated. You know who has value and who doesn't have value, and and you and you recognize that we are all children of the earth, and that we all have value, and so it's very very interesting. But I agree with Lisa. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to convince people at a moral level. Although, of course, we all know that you're right. Um, when we have such a formidable foe in the form of this capitalist system, this capitalist system produces. Um, systems and structures and processes so that um, uh, uh, human beings are kept under a quote-unquote undocumented status simply so that they are, um, you know, left as a malleable, uh, vulnerable, exploitable community of workers. That's intentional. That's not by mistake. Um, that our immigration system is so bad and it's almost impossible these days for for people to adjust their legal status. 
You know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking what I brought up about <clears throat> about Marjorie Taylor Greene and that awful thing she said. And when you when you look at her saying it, 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 she doesn't realize that she's doing that because she's such in such pain because she's really been held down for so long, and that that's what happens when people get held down so long. Either they organize and they do something straightforward, or they become angry and they just want to go out and shoot, or they do, or they. They act the way this woman acted. I mean, it's, it's all about the system. The system is creating monsters in my mind. That's right. People make choices, too. And I think it's important to recognize what Renee is saying is going on today. Like it, here in Sonoma County, um, and we see a lot of it in the um, wineries and in the whole agricultural community, there's been a history here of the oppression and exploitation of workers. Indeed, when I worked at the ACLU, we gave, um, and I think the ACLU up here still does give the Jack Green Award to um, to people who have spoken up based on this guy, Jack Green, who was tarred and feathered for organizing apple pickers, I think in Sebastopol. Mm-hmm. So we see, you know, and I'm, I'm really, you know, want to call out people like Jobs with Justice and Raices and, um, other organizations, the Great Day Labor Center, which I'm on the board of directors, because there is a lot at stake, and people are being brave. And we've seen, I know um, Renee's group was um, picketing not only around the um, safety for um, agricultural workers, but also workers in the hotels, workers at, I think it was Alvarado Street, where mm-hmm. you had issues of sexual harassment. Um, it's a day-to-day, you know, it, this kind of labor activism and what makes it a movement is that it doesn't stop. And May Day is the day I guess we take a, a bit of a break, have a rally and have some fun, but you know, people need to start asking, right, when you go to a winery, um, you know, and start noticing who are the people that are still working. And you see the same thing even in retail and in um, places like Starbucks and Amazons where the conditions and the expectations and the way people are treated they these big corporations try to hide it and they have a lot of money for pr they have a lot of money to i mean i know you've probably seen that the wineries give this big award now and for years they've never you know they constantly talked about their success right how they're so successful but the actual people picking the fruit they never you never saw them you never heard of them now they give an award for the person who you know and they they pat themselves on the back very loudly in uh, the press democrat which is the corporate sponsor right for all of these uh, places but it's taken a lot of work and a lot of struggles and protests to get people to even consider and also and also heartbreak and disappointment mm-hmm. I mean disappointment in your fellow in your fellow woman your fellow man I mean some you know women are, are very disappointing to me on many many levels that they don't they don't support this they don't support women's rights or anything like this so we're coming very quickly to the end of our of our program and I would I want to turn it over to you Renee talk about what's happening today and what time and then any last words you have Lisa that any people can get a hold of you and and what you're doing and and from my goodness I mean you we women have just done just marvelous today and I really appreciate you being here so go ahead Renee talk about what's happening today yeah it's very exciting uh beginning at 3 p.m people should leave work early we're all gathering uh behind the Mitote Food Court in Roseland uh, at 777 Sebastopol. That's 3 p.m. 
and uh, we're expecting a lot of people this year. We'll be marching over to the federal building. Of course, the federal building represents everything that we abhor, the criminalization of entire families simply due to immigration status. So we'll be talking there. Uh, we'll have a few speakers there talking specifically about this um, federal bill that w we are supporting right now. Uh, H.R. 1511, the registry bill, uh, as we call it, which would um, allow over 8 million undocumented folks to be able to apply for legal permanent residency. It's very exciting, and it's something that at a national level we're working with partners to push forward. And then from the federal building, we'll be going to Old Courthouse Square, and we'll have a, a rally. Um, I think there's going to be some music as well, speakers from you know various communities representing various constituency, uh, our women's organization, Almas Libres, will be there, uh, Raices Collective, uh, Comite Vida, um, the North Bay Organizing Project, just to name a few. Everyone is um, coming together to commemorate May 1st, to demand uh, justice at the workplace, uh, papers for all through this registry bill, um, a stop to exploitation, a stop to human rights abuses at the at the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, so we encourage people to come out. It's going to be fun. Families are going to be there. And it's important for us to show the decision makers that we care about this stuff. That's the only way that we're going to make changes. You know, and I want to do a little shout out for the organizer, Louis Bravo. I talked to him. I think he's doing a great job. And I also, uh, one of our unsung heroes is Attila Nagy. He's mm -hmm. always behind there with this. And I think, you know, we gotta, we've got to acknowledge the men that are helping, you know, because oftentimes they don't get acknowledged, and I want to thank them. So that's going to be today, May 1st. It's going to be, they're going to gather at 3 for him at the, uh, at it, it by the dollar store, the old dollar store place, right? Yeah. Then they're going to march. You're going to march to the county federal building, and then you're going to go down to Courthouse Square, and there's going to be and people. You know, we're all affected by workers. You know, we're all we all need a we all earn a salary. We all go to work. We need to come out and support. Is there any website they can get a hold of you, Renee? Uh, the best way to uh, contact us would be on. Uh, Almas Libres Raices Collective Facebook page. Okay, and I'll have that on, on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. Lisa, any last words? We won't have it up today. No, we won't have it up today. Well, no, I'm sorry I made a mistake. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, just thank you for having us here and for always raising and, and surfacing these issues, Elaine, because this is what we need, right? History is happening. We're making history every day, but it also has to be commemorated and memorialized, and thank you for doing that all the time. Well, I love it. I think it's wonderful because especially women. I mean, we are, we are a strong force. We are. A, I just saw the feminist report that they're now put on, and I was amazed at how many women of color are now finally involved. I the, mean, we were healing the women's movement. We're all coming together as women, period. The leaders of the immigrant rights movement are women, predominantly. Okay, well, that's it for our show. Any last words? Goodbye, hello, any shout-out to anybody? Bye-bye, happy May Day to all the compañeros and compañeras out there. We'll see you at 3 p.m. at the Mitote Park. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Well, folks, this has been a wonderful, wonderful May Day uh, interview. <laughs> I can't believe that I had these two very powerful, committed women. 
in our studio. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt, and you've been listening to Women's Spaces. And as I do every week, I remind you, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. You know, I believe in the Native American way, plan for seven generations. You know, what are we leaving our children? We all have to stand up, especially women. You know, the Creator gave us that power that we could bring children into the world. We have to stand up for what we create. And I don't care what color, what religion, a child is a child is a child is a child. And remember, Women's Spaces will be on again tonight at 11 o'clock. This is Elaine Beholt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to be with you the next time. She can wait so The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 1st, 2023.